0: For his 10 year anniversary, the church gifted him and his family a trip, so they're enjoying that this weekend. Um, So we pray for them to have a great time and come back safely. Um, But today we are lucky to have a guest speaker here. Um, Dr. Neely is an ordained minister of the gospel, and he's also vice president and academic dean at Moody, um, as well as a professor of hermeneutics and homiletics. So prior to joining Moody, uh, Dr. Neely served churches in the city of Chicago, which is his hometown. Um, and he brings to his ministry a global perspective, having served as a missionary and pastor in West Africa for nine years. He also serves as the lead pastor and one of the elders of Judson Baptist Church in Oak Park, Illinois. He also is involved in a global equipping ministry, preaching, speaking, and conducting workshops and training events at churches and conferences in the U.S. and abroad. Dr. Neely has been married to his wife Stephanie for 44 years, and they have four children, and our proud grandparents of eight grandsons and two granddaughters. So we are very excited to have Dr. Neely here with us. So please join join me in giving him a warm welcome.
1: Am, Am I on? I'm on. Good. You know, you wake up like that sometimes at my age, am am I on? (laughs) It's so good to be here with you, and I want to uh, thank um, uh, my friend and colleague, Pastor Bobby Moss, that I've known for quite some time now, for extending me the invitation to be here with you today. And I've actually been married now for 45 years, and uh, my wife still likes me. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay. So you don't mind if I stand here, do you? Is this okay? Uh, This is what we call prosimics in preaching. Uh, So I'm going to ask that you would pray with me and for me uh, as I I preach. Um, I have... I'm 67 now, I don't, I don't have any hangups about telling people how old I am. You may be thinking he doesn't look 67. That's because I have a shaved head. <laughs> um, I wanna offer that as an option to some of the brothers. Um, but I've been preaching all of my adult life ever since I was 19. And the longer I have the opportunity to open up God's word, the more I am convinced that nothing of substance will happen here this morning apart from the work and ministry of the Spirit of God. So I'm gonna ask that you uh, not only listen carefully, thoughtfully, and critically, that is making sure that everything I say is based on scripture, but also to listen prayerfully. And uh, so I'm gonna ask that you would uh, pray with me and for me and for us. As I preach. Now, you've probably heard a lot about this thing, the pandemic. Probably heard a lot about it. In fact, one of my staff persons told me last week if I hear another mention of in a sermon about something relative to the pandemic, I think I'm gonna lose it. So I hope you don't lose it this morning, but we've been, the, the, the pandemic. And um, when the pandemic first hit, my wife and I were in West Africa, visiting my oldest daughter, who is a missionary there uh, with the Navigators. And I got a call from, um, a colleague, uh, Dr. Brian O'Neill. This was before I became the academic dean. I was just chairing a a, a division with about 15, 20 faculty persons that I was responsible for. So I got a call, uh, Winfred, uh, you all are gonna have to pivot to remote learning in two weeks. So not only Moody Bible Institute, not only Moody Theological Seminary, but virtually every academic institution in the world had to pivot to remote learning, generally two to three weeks' time. What an adjustment it was. And so in the thick of the pandemic, I'm in a Zoom meeting in a hermeneutics class, and the student Looks at me in, in the zoom screen and says to me, "Dr. Neely, do you think the in-person church is over? Do we plan to just have a virtual church from this moment on?" And I told him, "No." I don't think a virtual congregation will ever, ever replace an in-person, face-to-face fellowship of the people of God. We thank God for the technology that makes it possible, but it's, but it's, it's, not, a, it's not a substitute. And I want to suggest to you that what comes to your mind when you think about your local church, may be one of the most important things about you. What comes to your mind when you think about your responsibility to your local church may be one of the most important things about you. What comes to your mind when you think about your role, your place, indeed your catalytic involvement in your local body may be one of the most important things about you. And what the pandemic did in some sense was cause us to think, in a fresh way about what it means to be the church. What is the church? Now it's obvious that the church is not a building. Uh, The pandemic made that very, very, if it was not clear in our heads, the pandemic made that very, very clear when virtually every church facility in the United States and in the Western world was closed. Just dashed in the smithereens, this whole notion of going to church, which is not a biblical idea in the first place. Going to church. Church is not something that you go to. The church consists of redeemed men and women born again of the spirit of God who assemble together in the name of Jesus. And, and as a privileged person then in Christ, what is your response to who you are in Jesus to your local body? And that's the big question. And we, we find it uh, in, in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 beginning in verse 19. Hebrews 10, 19. Now, there are um, three responses to our privileges in Christ in our text, but we're only going to look at one of them, one that's pertinent for our purpose today in verses 23, 24, and 25. But we'll begin reading at verse 19, nonetheless. Therefore, brothers and sisters, plural members of the family of God, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our bodies sprinkled uh, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As privileged followers of Christ, we are to stimulate, think deeply and thoughtfully about promoting love and Christ-centered action in our local body. As, as men and women who have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, uh, we are to stimulate one another to love and to good works. We are a privileged people. First privilege is in verse 19 and 20. We have access to God. That is an incredible privilege. We have access to God himself now, through faith in Christ, who has, um, who has opened up the way. You have access to God. Can I get an amen? amen. I mean, it, that's an incredible notion to me. You have access to God. Moreover, not only do, as a follower of Christ, do you have access to God, you have representation in heaven. We have a great high priest, verse 21, a great high priest over the house of God. Jesus is our great high priest. As our great high priest, Jesus represents you and me in the presence of God, among other things. I call this the dynamic duo of privilege, access to God, and then someone who represents you in the presence of God. A real, live, literal, tangible, touchable man with the marks of Calvary in his own peerless person. His name is Jesus, and he represents you in the presence of God. So, how do we respond to this? Now, there are several, three responses, three exhortations, but the last response. The last response, verse 24, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Consider means to give thoughtful attention to. It it, it means to um, reflect on, to ponder, It is thoughtful, concerned care and consideration about my local church. Let me ask you a question. And for those of you who are listening online, this is more of an application question. During the last two years, when is the last time you gave serious, prolonged, thoughtful consideration to the men and women that God in his sovereignty has placed you in fellowship with in this local body. Let us consider, the verb is present tense, so it's just not a one kind of a stop, one stop consideration. It is an ongoing, prolonged thought, and thinking, reflection, thoughtful care and concern about the body. And it's just not Bobby Moss's job to do this. It's not just the elders' job to do this. It's just not the small group leaders' job to do this. This is the responsibility of every follower of Christ let us consider how to stimulate one another so that it is mutual it's reciprocal it reflects something of the uh, internal life of God himself with all of the dynamics of the godhead let us consider how to uh, stimulate now stimulate this is one of these strong words And the idea is to provoke or to incite. I can be used negatively, you know, to provoke to anger, incite a riot, so forth and so on. But here, it is positive to stimulate one another to love. To love. So it's the kind of um, prayerful, thoughtful reflection Becoming a thought leader in the biblical sense of the idea that promotes love in the church. What do you think about when you think about love? What comes to your mind? Uh, some years ago, I was had the privilege to do the Premarital counseling—I've done quite a bit of that during my 21 years at MBI. Uh, do some premarital counseling for Peter and Mary Fry. I'm going to mention the name. of The story is public; as well known, so forth and so on. She—I uh, was one of my students—suffered with cystic fibrosis. I mean, it was pretty bad. It's not uncommon to hear Mary coughing a lot in class, in chapel, and. Um, Wow, cystic fibrosis, and just all of the problems that that problem caused in her life. She's getting ready to get married, and so I asked uh, them a question. I said, can you give me, how do you know uh, when your parents loved you? Not when you wish you were loved, but when you actually could look back and see that your parents loved you. And she starts heaving in my office. She starts convulsing. And crying, and I thought, wow, I I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what that question triggered. And I looked at her and I said, Mary, what's wrong? Of course, the fiancé was looking at it, too. He was trying to get all this figured out. And she says, "Um, my parents loved me ever since I came into the world. Because she had this illness. And she talked about how they sacrificed for her. How they served her. And how they loved her unconditionally you see that's agape love that's the kind of love that's being talked about it's the love that that, that, uh, that serves that that, that that gives that sacrifices for the highest good of the person loved without thinking of of a uh, of, uh, of anything in return because it's fundamentally the love of God. You see, God in his essential being is love. And that means that God's triune life, God has always been Trinity. He's always been one and three and three and one. And love has marked the being of God from from all eternity. And that love was demonstrated supremely at the cross. And stimulate one another to Love. In other words, we are giving thoughtful consideration in prayer, in humble dialogue, in humility with how we take steps to promote this in the life of the church. Remember, this is not what I'm getting from the congregation. It's what I'm giving. It's not about what I'm getting. This is not what this is about. It's about what I'm giving to the congregation. What am I giving? See, it's interesting um, in uh, his book, What's So Amazing About, uh, About Grace, uh, Philip Yancey tells this story. Listen to this. A prostitute came to me in wretched straits, homesick, sick, unable to buy food for her two year old daughter. Through sobs and tears, she told me she had been renting out her daughter, two years old. To men interested in kinky sex, she made more renting out her daughter for an hour than she could earn in her own in a night. She had to do it, she said, to support her drug habit. I could hardly bear hearing her sordid story. For one thing, it, it made me legally liable I'm required to report cases of child abuse. I had no idea what to say to this woman. At last, I asked if she had ever thought of going to a church for help. Yancy yes, says that his friend said, I will never forget that look of pure, naive shock that crossed her face. Church, she cried. Why would I ever go there? I was already feeling terrible. I was already feeling terrible about myself. They just make me feel worse. Yancey goes on to say, what struck me about my friend's story is that women, and indeed men, much like this prostitute fled toward Jesus, not away from him. The worse a person felt about himself or herself the more likely he or she saw Jesus as a refuge. Has the church lost that gift? I will let you answer that question. It jarred me, actually. Just this morning. Kind of like ellipsis marks, t- t- t just kind of trail off, and you just kind of. But have we now ceased to love with the love of Jesus, with the love of the cross? Augustine declared love has hands to help others, feet to hasten to the poor and needy, eyes to to see misery and want. Love, it sees, eyes to see, eyes to see misery and want, hears to hear the sighs and sorrows of people. We are to pay thoughtful attention to one another. Careful, thoughtful, ongoing, prolonged attention to one another in order to stimulate love. So that the church of Jesus Christ, this local body of men and women and boys and girls, once again becomes this community now that's known uh, for love. Oh, see, we can't pull this off in our own strength, by the way. Only the Spirit of God can help us. This is something that's done in the ministering power of the Spirit of God. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, the text says. Good deeds. Deeds that are good. Deeds that are beneficial. Goods that are noble. That are, that are, that are noble." Are deeds that that uh, that reflect reflect the character of God. Now, I need not say, but I, I I need to say here that the good deeds, and we're not doing the good deeds in order to be brought into a right relationship with God. You, you, you know the Bible, the Bible says that uh, uh, for uh, by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. Permit me to go into the grammar just a bit. You have been saved. This is a perfect tense in the Greek language. In other words, it's an action that was completed in the past. Results continue to the present. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I get excited when I think about the theology of the grammar. Saved. Saved. Perfect tense, passive voice. In other words, you're not acting, you're being acted upon. God himself saves you, follower of Christ. By grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. He certainly is not talking about faith in this context. Faith as the gift of God. That's not the idea. The idea is that God saves you. The results of that event continue to the present time and for all eternity. That is the gift of God. Mm-hmm. not as a result of works that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Note this, which God prepared beforehand from all eternity that we should walk in them. See, so we, we do good works now because we are saved, because we are in an eternal relationship with God. Uh, Good works. It was the good works of the, the good works, think about the good works of the early church. The ancient world was not favorable to women. You realize that. It was not favorable to women. Family has a little girl. Oh, we don't want the girls. You know what they did with the girls that they didn't want? They took them to the garbage dumps. Threw them away as babies. Oh, sure. What if, what if the baby had a birth defect or something? They threw the baby away. They put him in the garbage dumps. And it was the church. Regenerate men and women born again of the spirit of God. Recognizing that God doesn't throw anybody away. And they literally went to the garbage dumps intentionally looking for the babies. Looking, 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 looking for the babies. Looking for them. They created orphanages, raised these children for the glory of God, children that the world had thrown away. The church built the hospitals to care for the poor. Hospitals for the poor were started by Christians. The church. It was the church that cared for people during the pandemics. Some believe that it was the good works of the church that won the pagan world to Jesus. Won the pagan world to Jesus. My time is getting away from me. Um, how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Now we've got two ing words that qualify, help us understand what's involved in considering how to simulate forsaking and encouraging. Forsaking and encouraging. So when you're reading your Bible, especially the NASB, which is really, really good with this, when you have a verb, then you got these ing words surrounding that main verb. These ing words help you understand what's involved in that principal action. Let us consider how to consider, stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And this is more than just absenting oneself from a church meeting. This word forsaking was used for abandoning God in the Old Testament. Sure was. You remember this text? In uh, Jeremiah, where God says, uh, my people have committed to evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters and hewn cisterns, um, which can hold no water. So when he says not forsaken ourselves together, what he is saying is that some of you may have a heart that's grown cold toward Jesus. And one of the symptoms of that is a absentee and deserting deliberately from the fellowship of God's people. And I want to say to those of you who are listening, maybe listening online, uh, I understand and we're not, this is, we're, not, you know, we're not condemning anyone, we're not judging anyone, But the pandemic has had its dangerous side because we've been isolated, we've been separated. We can actually grow cold toward the Lord and toward Jesus himself. And desertion of the assembly, the gathering of the people of God is a very, very serious symptom that there may be something deeper going on. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Encouraging one another. And so in other words, we need the face-to-face interaction to encourage one another. To speak uh, courage to somebody. Cheer somebody on. Some years ago, Uh, There was an older, older man. I was a young man in my 20s at the time. And um, he says to me, Neely, the time will come when you will be discouraged. Walk with God. The time will uh, come when you may not be able to see your way through. Walk with God. The time will come when you will have in good faith made a decision you thought was wise and it turns out that it was a disastrous decision and all of the ramifications and implications and all of the things that you didn't see are coming. Neely, walk with God. See this is encouragement. To encourage you brothers and sisters in Christ, to walk with God all the more as you see the day approaching. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that this life doesn't have the last word. That all that we see around us, that this is not the last word, that this is just not it. The Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah, is gonna return. And by faith we see light at the end of the tunnel of history. We see it. I remember the old hymn, You are coming, rays of glory. You are coming, Lord, for me. Boy, that's kind of, that's something of an echo here. Well, whoa, whoa. well, it's coming right back at me. I'm thinking, okay, Neely, you're getting kind of loud there. Better watch the volume there, son. But he's coming, right? So, let me ask you a question. This is what I'm asking you all to do. Think about this church. Think about the men and women in it. Think about them by name. And what can you do as a brother or sister walking in the power of the Spirit to promote love? And good works. You're probably doing this already, but you just might want to start praying for everybody by name. You may be doing this already, but you may want to pick up the telephone and call somebody. Ah, the telephone still works. And I'm not just talking to sending somebody a text. Now, I know, I, I know, y'all probably think Neely's a dinosaur. Probably not gonna be a dinosaur, but the fact that I got a Bible. Got a book. God bless my younger ministerial friends, Bobby and, and, and Pastor Joe, you, you know, with the thing. Uh, I got to have a book. See, I can, sound, I can hold. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm older. I, I get that. The phone still works. One of the things that we've been doing, we've been calling people. Just call people on the phone. I got one of my colleagues, he calls somebody. You know how long he talks? 45 minutes. Well, say I call you. I'm not talking 45 minutes. I'm talking 10 minutes. Hey, how you doing? God bless you. We're praying for you. Never if you want to, don't look at me like that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? Call somebody. You'll be surprised what that will do to somebody. And I know you're doing that. And I want to encourage you to do that. And for those of you who have not come back to the in-person service yet, I want to say this to you with as much compassion as I can muster. It's time now. If you're not providentially hindered, if you don't have someone in your home with underlying conditions, you need to prayerfully consider joining your brothers and sisters in in in-person worship. We need to see you. We need you to grow. We need you. You need us. We thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for this congregation of men and women who love you. I pray that this congregation will continue to grow and become known as a congregation of love and good works fueled by the second coming of Jesus. Amen. I think that worship team is coming back. I think.